Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. I I do want to double down on what Amber just said. I do want to thank you. For years, you guys have given above and beyond to make sure kids went to campus. I started as youth pastor here. And I saw it then, and I still see it as a senior pastor. So thanks for being that church. Now, can we agree on something as I begin today? Can we just agree on something pretty simple? That can't life feel like an ongoing series of sometimes small and sometimes big battles? Can't life feel like just this ongoing series of one after another, sometimes small, but sometimes big battles? It was uh, several months ago. The One Hope staff decided we were going to have kind of a fun day. Just just a few hours. We're going to go over lunch and maybe elongate that lunch a little bit. And we're just going to spend some time celebrating our staff and kind of bonding. Lots of people do that. Well, I wasn't part of the planning of this time, and so I had no idea what we were going to do. All the information I got was we were supposed to be at the Tuscaloosa Airport Park. Okay, that may seem random, but there was something there that I didn't know was there before that day. At the Tuscaloosa Airport Park, there is a multi-hole Frisbee golf course, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever played Frisbee golf before, but before that day, I had never played Frisbee golf before. And so after we arrived and we found out what we were going to do, we split into teams of four, okay? We split into teams of four, and and, and in this moment, the battle was about to begin, and I say the battle's about to begin because you, if you know anything about Pastor Scott, is this is when my competitive juices started flowing, you know? Like my competitive nature began and things started to get serious. See, I may have never played Frisbee golf before, but that doesn't matter, it has nothing to do with it. Because in, in that moment, the competitiveness came up, and in that moment, my coworkers became sort of the enemy. You know, you know, it's in this moment, I look at them and go, hey, I love y'all, but you're about to get dominated, right? Like, prepare yourself, because the battle is about to begin. And so what we did is we now have our teams, and me and my three teammates, we go to our hole, and the other team, they go to their hole. They're all surrounding, and we're about to begin. And when we were about to begin, I look at my teammates, and I make something very clear. Let's have fun. Let's win, all right? Like, let's have fun, blah, blah, blah. Let's get this W. That's what mattered. Now, my thinking in the time was, don't worry, teammates. I got this. You know, my thinking in this moment is, don't worry about it. I've got this. I just assumed I would be good at Frisbee golf because... Like, we're throwing a Frisbee. Like, I may not be as athletic as I was a few years ago, but like, I can handle throwing a Frisbee, yeah? 
Well, it's time to start, and I as the leader and a gentleman let my teammates go first, and they throw their Frisbees. Honestly, I don't really care how they do, because once again, I got this, right? So they throw their Frisbees, and fine, and then I get in position, and I wind up, and I let it rip, like I let it fly, and I'm seeing it go, and it's going pretty far. But it heads to the hole and then it goes left very quickly, like 40 yards left. And I look at it, okay, like I'm so confident, like it's one throw, we're good. Like maybe they couldn't count on me in that moment, but I'm good and so we finish the hole. We do good and we're on to hole number two and the same thing happens. I let them go first because I got this. Everybody's allowed to have like a mulligan throw, right? I'm good. They throw it, they do fine, and I step up and I throw it again. Like, I just give, and to my surprise, once again, I could not, I could not be counted on to lead the team because I throw it right into a tree. Like, they can't count on me, right? And so what I learned through these moments is that I didn't have what it took for this Frisbee golf battle. I realized in this moment, it doesn't matter how confident I was in this moment, I didn't have the Frisbee game that was needed. Pastor Scott wasn't going to be the man that day. You know what I'm saying? Now the problem for my opponents was, I had a secret weapon that they didn't know I had. The problem for my opponents was I had a secret weapon that I didn't know I had. The secret weapon ended up being the game-changing backup plan that I needed. See, my opponents didn't have a young man named Luke Bean, okay? Luke Bean's a college student. Luke Bean works part-time here on staff. He helps the facilities remain in good condition and ready for ministry around the church. And, and the problem for the rest of the teams that we're trying to win is that I swear Luke could throw a Frisbee like a mile. He just, I did not expect it. I mean, when he let it go, there was no need for me to, or any of our teammates to even throw because we were gonna take his throw, Yeah. And this, ha- this happened hole after hole after hole after hole until we got to the end and we look at the scores and we won by multiple points. And so I'm play- pleased to report that after year one of the Frisbee golf tournament, Team Scott, that's what I like to call it, Team Scott has the belt. We won. Thank you, thank you. Now your question right now should be, Scott, why are you telling me about Frisbee golf, right? Why, here is, here's the deal. Have you ever been in a battle where it seems like there are people or situations coming at you from all angles? They come from all around you. And you don't know how to win. It's in these moments you quickly realize that you are not good enough to handle the battle that's now in your face. And this battle may be at home, 
Your battle may not be a Frisbee golf battle. Maybe your battle's at home and you don't know how to win the marriage battle. All you see is things are falling apart. Maybe your battle is at home and you are losing the, the parenting battle. Everything you hoped for, prayed for, wanted for is disintegrating right in your face. Maybe it's other relationships. Maybe it's friendships. There's a battle and seems like they're all falling apart. Maybe there's a work battle, a school battle, and it feels like you're in a no-win situation. Maybe there's a physical health battle, and it's all consuming, and you don't know how to work your way out of this. Whatever your battle is, and this, this battle just feels way bigger than you, I ask you the question, what's your battle plan going to be? What has been your battle plan? Do you have a backup battle plan when that battle plan doesn't work? See, in my case, I needed a backup plan. My plan did not work. I needed that that secret weapon if I was going to realize and experience the victory that I hoped for. See, I thought I was good enough, but the reality was my self-confidence just ended up being the thing that was thrown up in my face. And I think we need to talk about this this morning. Because I believe there are people sitting in here watching online that, that you're in the middle of a battle And you have just recently realized this battle is actually too big for me and I don't know what to do because my battle plan didn't work. And you're wondering what your backup plan is going to be. And we're going to talk about that because we're continuing in this conversation that we started three weeks ago that's going to take us to Easter. We're in the middle of a conversation about prayer. And I told you when we started this, my goal for this series was to build confidence in you through prayer so that your relationship with Jesus can take a step deeper than it's ever been. So I told you from the beginning that I think that people don't feel as close to Jesus as you think you should, even maybe as you've been a Christian for a long time. That I told you that I believe many people live in this relationship that we believe in Jesus, but not necessarily know how to live in close relationship with Jesus. And so my prayer, as we walk through this for several weeks, is that maybe I can erase some of that distance between you in Jesus. Maybe help you, encourage you to try and make prayer a focus in a way that has never been before. And so the first week, we've had two prayers. The first week I had the Lord's Prayer, right, found in Matthew and Luke and the Gospels. And last week I had David's Prayer that was found in Psalm 139. Now, if this is your first time, glad you're here. Maybe you want to go back and catch up. Maybe you missed one of those. You weren't here and haven't watched. I'd love for you to catch up. But I want to go to week three, our next prayer, and I'm hoping this helps you in this journey. See, for this week, I want to talk about a guy. I want to talk about a guy who found himself in a situation that was a bit much for him, and he quickly realized he wasn't going to be the answer to the problem. And you felt that before. 
He needed a backup plan for what he was about to face. And so for today, I want us to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So you've got your phones, if you have your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you want one on your seats. It's found in the Old Testament. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, as you go there, I want you to follow along. Keep it in front of you. I want to talk a bit about this story. See, chapter 20 starts with a man named Jehoshaphat, okay? Jehoshaphat has become the leader of the kingdom of Judah as his father has died. He's been, he's been like, he's found himself elevated into the king, the seat of the king, and very quickly as he has become king, people have come, his people underneath him, the people that work for him, come to him with some pretty intense news, all right? They tell him that three armies are converging around him, and he needs to prepare for battle. Now, the problem was, by the time he got this news, the armies were only 25 miles away in a place called En Gedi. He was there in Jerusalem, and he's telling them, hey, it's only a day's march before they will get to you. And I want you to think about this scenario. Have you ever been in this scenario? Are you in this scenario right here? that you found yourself in the seat of a surprise battle, in the seat of being caught off guard by a battle, that life has happened, life has been happening, and all of a sudden there's a conflict and the battle is right in your face. This is not a battle where you saw coming and you had time to plan. This is not a battle where you're like, I know this was eventually going to get here and so now I've got to take care of it. No, this is waking up in the morning and you're getting some bad news. This is your, you're getting to school, you're getting to work, and you get some bad news. It's out of nowhere, someone attacks you and you don't know why they're coming after you. Sickness shows up and you don't know what to do. You can't believe it. How do you respond in this moment? How have you responded in this moment? I don't know how you responded. I'm hoping your response in the future will maybe be even different. Because what we see in Jehoshaphat is what many of us know we should do, but often isn't our first response. And so I go 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. It says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And I love these words. Just stop. We're going to go verse 3 just really quickly. Is I love these words because it says he's alarmed. You know what that feels like, right? You know what alarmed feels like. You know the weight of what alarmed feels like. But he says he's alarmed, but what? Resolved. He's alarmed, but resolved to take the battle to the Lord and call his people to a fast. Anytime a fast is called, we're looking for power. We're looking for direction. We're giving things over. And in this moment, I need us to realize something about yourself and myself. Your first response always reveals what you believe is your greatest weapon in the midst of a battle. Do you know that about yourself? 
I want you to think back to previous battles. I want to filter on those battles, and I want you to see something about yourself, and I want this to be revealing. Your first response always reveals what you believe is your greatest weapon in the midst of a battle. And this is the essence of why I want to spend eight weeks on prayer. I want our first response to be the response of Jehoshaphat. How do we condition ourselves to make our first reaction a reaction of prayer? See, I want us to remember something today, that this is a real-life story. This isn't a what-if situation. Hear me, this isn't a hypothetical situation. This is Jehoshaphat's real life, and in his real life, there are real-life consequences on the line. And what he reminds us about real life is that prayer is not an option. It's supposed to be the first option always. He does it in real life, in real time. See, prayer is not the thing we do because we're trying to be good Jesus followers. Prayer is not the thing we do because we feel guilty and we better do it or bad on us. Prayer is not the thing that we just check off and we go, because if we don't, maybe God won't do anything and I'm kind of in trouble. That's not why prayer enters the scene when we're in the battle. Prayer is the first option when we have a relationship with God that believes he is our source of power, he is our source of wisdom, he is our source of refuge, he is our source of covering, he is our source of direction, he's our source of wisdom, he's our source of love, he's our source of whatever we need in the moment. We don't go to prayer because we feel bad if we don't, we go to prayer because we have a relationship with God that believes he is the source of what we're trying, how we're going to try to walk through the battle in front of us. And so alarmed but resolved, Jehoshaphat went to the Lord. And now I want to show you the prayer that he prayed. Verse 6, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, have built in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would have, would have not allowed Israel to invade when we came out from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Now see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I really love this prayer. This is a battle plan prayer. 
This is a battle plan prayer. Can I, before we continue this, or can I break down kind of the components of this prayer? Because I think there's five different parts that we can learn from in this prayer. It's going to be really simple, really quick. Maybe you want to write it down. Maybe you want to take a picture, whatever. But Jehoshaphat, the, where he began in prayer, he acknowledged who God was. In verse 6, he acknowledged who God was. You see this. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. What does this remind you of? It should remind you of two weeks ago when I talked about the Lord's Prayer. It begins with acknowledging who God is. And why is this important? Let me remind you again. When we begin our prayers acknowledging who He is, what happens? It puts Him in the seat of authority. It puts Him in the seat of the provider. It puts Him in the seat He belongs and puts us in our proper seat. Not just like low people below Him, but like we are His children. We are the ones He loved. We are the ones that are looking up to God and who He is. So he begins the prayer acknowledging who God was, but he doesn't stop there. The second part of the prayer is he remembered what God has done. He's pointing back to God, you provided for us. You gave us this possession of this land. You gave us this blessing. You, you gave it to your, Abraham, your friend Abraham, and we have had it for generations now. We're remembering that we got out of Egypt, and you gave this to us. This is so important again. God, we know who you are, and we know what you've done for us. It puts us in the seat of remembrance, and sometimes we need to remember. Okay, God did it, so we can do it again. Now, he doesn't stop there, though. Third part of the prayer, Jehoshaphat spoke their trust. Spoke their trust. He says, we will stand in your presence before this temple bears your name and will cry out to you in distress. You will hear us. You will save us. He spoke their trust. A battle plan prayer puts God in the place of who he is and who we aren't. A battle plan prayer remembers that God has won battles in the past. We can, we can live in that. And then it speaks where the trust needs to be if they're going to walk through this battle in the right way. But it doesn't stop there because the fourth thing he prays is Jehoshaphat declared the battle that they faced. You see, he tells God, they're coming to get us. They're coming to take this. He speaks what the problem is, not because God doesn't know what the problem is, but it puts him and God on the same page. God, I'm asking you, I'm being specific. Doesn't scripture talk about us just bringing any petitions to God, that we can come to him with any prayers, that we can speak whatever it is that we need from him? This is what I'm going through. And then the last thing, he just simply admits their need. I just love how it ends. For we have no power to face this vast army. You ever, you ever felt that? Do you feel that right now? No power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we've got to put you in the place of, hey, you're God, I'm not. A battle plan prayer reminds us 
what you have done. It, it speaks where we put our trust. It declares what's in front of us, and then we admit our need. This is a prayer that we can follow as we walk through our battles. Now, I want you to see that after Jehoshaphat prays this prayer, listen, remembering real life, something incredible happens. It says, the, uh, the Spirit of the Lord fell on a man, and he begins to speak a prophetic word to the king. And here is the word that God, once again, God spoke to Jehoshaphat through a man. Verse 15, it says, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. This is God's response to the prayer that he speaks. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Don't be discouraged or afraid because of what's coming at you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the deserts of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Here's my hope for today. Hear me. Can this story be more than a Bible story? You know what I mean, right? This is always a goal of mine. Like, I don't want to just read Bible stories. I want these to be like real life, that we're reading about people's lives that came before us. Like, this is somebody's life. This is thousands of people's lives at that moment in Jerusalem. This is a legitimate battle. Don't, can we move past Scott's got a Bible story for, to me, to, for me today and lean into this is a story about somebody's life. And just like when you are in your battles, there's a lot on the line. And in this battle, when there was a lot on the line, their leader turns them to God and he speaks a prayer. And a powerful moment is experienced. You know what's incredible? It's not the prayer. Here, man, the prayer is not the incredible part. The prayer is the vehicle that takes us to the really incredible thing. The incredible part of the story is that God met them in their prayer. And isn't this a needed reminder for us today that God meets us in our prayers? And the reason I need us to be reminded of this today is because isn't this one of the things that comes between us and prayer being the first option for us when we get into a battle? Isn't this reminder needed because this is what comes between us in believing that prayer is our greatest weapon in the middle of the battle. Have you ever, are you struggling with the idea, does God even listen? Do you ever struggle, are you struggling, does God ever respond? I believe for someone today, you've lost confidence. 
I believe for someone today, if you have lost the confidence in prayer because you haven't seen God respond the way you hoped he would respond, and I'm hoping one of the things you can take away today is a renewed confidence that God does actually want to meet you in your prayers that God is actually present and listening and wants to respond to our prayers. Now, one of the pushbacks that you can give me on this is, Scott, this is obviously, like, pretty spectacular. Like, if God would respond this way, my prayers, of course my prayers would be first. He would be my first option. It would be my greatest weapon, but I just don't think that happens in my life. This is what I'll say. I get it. This is spectacular. It's why I pull it out and want to bring it before you today, but here's what I believe. I think if we change our battle plan, I think the results will change as well. I think if we will change our battle plan, the results will change as well. What I'm hoping you can see today, what you can hear today, what you can apply today are the famous words that God spoke to his people through that man in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15. Write it down. Take a picture on the screen when it comes up. Remind you this week, yourself this week, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And we all have our own army we feel like is against us. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I think that God wants to speak these words to us more than we're giving him a chance to speak them to us. Now, the story isn't done, right? The story's not done because they haven't gotten to battle yet. What we see in this is that Jehoshaphat has a choice to make, and it's the same choice that we have to make every day. Do we trust the words that God tells us? Do we trust that his words are going to be enough for us in the battle? He has a choice to make, and he makes the right choice. And you see what he does in verse 20, verses 23. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites, the Moabites, rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. This is the battle and what happens? As you see, Jehoshaphat decides to trust God and then call his people to trust God. They march into the battle praising God, worshiping him for who he is in the midst of the battle. Can I ask you, when was the last time you walked into the battle, walked through the battle, but you walk into it worshiping? 
Do you walk into your battles worshiping or do you walk into your battles angry, fearful, resentful, bitter? Do you walk into your battles with already defeatist mindset? When was the last time you walked into a battle and before you just started going just nuts in, in, in fear and just, just think of all the things that can happen bad, when's the last time you walked into the battle and your first move is worship? They stood firm in confidence that the battle was not theirs to own. It was the Lord's. And what they saw before their eyes was that God was faithful to his word. You keep reading, they leave in victory and they go back to the temple. They go back to Jerusalem. You know what they do? They have a worship service. They go back to the temple and they have a worship service to celebrate and honor their God because once again he reminded them that they were not enough for the battle, but that didn't matter because of who they had on their side. They had the secret weapon. And so my question this morning for you as we read this is what battle are you walking through? But do you know what? I think I have a bigger question than what battle are you walking through? What's my bigger question? What is your first response to this battle? It's not necessarily the battle's my first question. That just identifies it. What is your first response? And maybe your first response hasn't been to be alarmed, totally natural, but resolved to take it to the Lord. And maybe you need to take a step in that direction and say, I need to start over. Because how you're walking through this is it feels like destruction. Why? Because does your first step need to be, I'm alarmed, but I'm resolved, God. I don't know what God would say to you when you bring your prayer to him, but this is what I want to promise you, is he'll meet you in that prayer. I don't know what he'll say to you. Your story is not going to be Jehoshaphat's story, but your story is going to be your story. I promise that he meets you in your prayers. And it's in this moment that I think God wants to remind you the battle is not yours. It's his. Will you trust him enough just to give him that battle and we just stand in confidence, we stand firm, and we just say, God, this is yours. Listen, I told you this stupid story at the beginning about frisbee golf I wasn't good enough that's not a battle let's just be honest I'm just telling you a story right but you know why I told it yeah I had so much self-confidence you guys know who I am I have confidence walking in that I could win that and very quickly I realized like Scott you overestimate yourself all the time but I had the secret weapon I didn't even realize it when I began. Do you know, I, when we started out that day, did you notice I said, I didn't care what they did because I had this. It wasn't until I failed that I realized I had something I didn't know I had. Like how bigger, how much bigger can it be for you to realize what you have behind you? We're not throwing Frisbees. We've got real battles. But you also have a real God. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish in worship. And I have to believe there's some battles. And you know what we do? I would love for you, your first move is, God, I'm going to bring this to you because I'm alarmed, but I have resolved to bring it to you. 
And then maybe you can walk out in confidence and saying, God, I'll stand firm in trusting you. I'll stand firm in trusting you. And I'll walk out praising you. Heavenly Father, I ask you to do what only you can do for your people. God, I kind of feel like Jehoshaphat today where I'm standing in front of the people I love, the people I feel like I need to protect, the people I feel like I need to point to you. And God, I want to invite us into being resolved and just saying my first move is to bring it to the Lord. And so God, if there are battles in this room, if there are battles online, God, that wherever we find ourselves, that we would turn this, these places into altars and just give them to you so that we can be confident, so that we can trust you. And God, that we can live in victory not because of our self-confidence, but because of our God-confidence. Help us to live in this battle plan versus our own instinctive, broken battle plan. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.